On today's episode, we have fellow friend, father to Xavi and football enthusiast, Alan Bond. A fantastic chat covering an array of topics centered around football, the journey he's gone on from an early age and how it's impacted him from a mental standpoint. He's had the opportunity to coach and play for some great teams in the past and his goal has always been to create the best experience for players in the amateur game. He's had the opportunity to work with Mundial Magazine, being involved in creative projects for Everton, Umbro and many more. Through storytelling and coaching, he aims to get as many people possible back playing the game. If you do enjoy this episode, please drop it a follow or share it with others. It helps you more than you think. Alan Bond, it's great to have you on the podcast. I appreciate you coming on. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on. It's your birthday today, so I hope you're celebrating. Yeah, certainly is. Yeah, I had a good morning with my son uh, and, and then I'll, I'll play football later. So, uh, yeah, it's been good so far. Yeah, nice. We've got um, a bit of a social booked in this weekend as well to go to, to Nant Mill, haven't we? So we're going through a bit of a cold dip and uh, we're doing some bits and bobs at a coffee shop after, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I think there's about uh, 10 or 12 of us going on it. So yeah, it'll be, an, be a nice morning. Uh, yeah, good activity to get us going. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And have you been doing cold exposure for a while or has that been something you kind of recently introduced? I have done it kind of sporadically over time. Like uh, we often we'll go down to Kent to stay with some friends uh, and there's just no escaping it because the sea's right there. You know, never gets never gets easier, but mm. you never come out of there regretting it. You know, so mm. I would say since we've moved back up north, definitely haven't done done it enough in mm. terms of how how accessible it is. Mm. Yeah, I love it just for the mental benefits. And I know you know lots of conversations we have is around mindset, is around perspectives, and that's kind of some of the things that I wanted to talk over today and, and deep dive into your mind about, you know, how you view things and your perspective specifically around football, because for a lot of the listeners um, that don't know Al, um, he's been centered around amateur football for quite a long time. He used to live down the South and um, used to be part of Mundial Mag and different bits and bobs down there, which is fantastic. And again, something that we will talk over today, but I want to deep dive into that a little bit. And I think, you know, things like cold exposure, they do test your mind. And I think it's important to be tested from a mindset perspective with lots of things. Do you agree? Absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, it, it's it's so easy to just settle and just just to, to coach through day to day, you know, and in, as I say, it never gets easier. You have to you have to challenge yourself. So even like yesterday, me and a friend, you know, it was raining outside, but we went and got 50 minutes working, a couple of sprints. You know, it wasn't anything special but we could have just canned it you know mm-hmm. you know and we both we both got goals in terms of our health and fitness what we want to address mm-hmm. um and so that was moving in the right direction mm-hmm. but it's it's easy to just say ah i'll do it tomorrow you know which is also a habit that you know there's evidence of me doing in the past but you know i want to go against that now Mm-hmm. And what are your goals currently? I know you mentioned about some goals there. What are you, you striving towards? Yeah, I would just say like impacting um, lives and communities through football. I think that's that's something that I've always had in the back of my mind. Is how can you do that? How can you do that through uh, passion and, and through work, mm-hmm. uh, whilst also playing football as long as I can? Uh, so I'm currently playing for Crittleton, uh, which is in the 14th tier of English football 
uh, playing the Chester and World League. And just just want to just know the value of it and, and and what it brings for me personally. And that environment gives me the opportunity to um, help the younger generation. We've got a good crop of uh, young players coming through, like 21, 22. So it's just about being a good example for them, really. And also, from a selfish point of view, um, parking the coaching element of it and just going and, and, and playing and doing the best I can for the team and myself. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And that's all that I've known you as, somebody who is largely based around community, around football. You know, it's part of you as a person. I've always known that, obviously, through your brother, Tom. It's generally part of you as a person. It's a massive passion. And I like to me, you know, coaching's a passion for me. You know, football and coaching in football and building a community around that for you would be massive. So I wanted to talk over that a little bit because how important do you think community is, especially around like a football club? It is one of the most important things, I think, in aspects of life as as a human being. Uh, we all strive for belonging and, you know, how it, it is, I think there's a tribal element to it and our personalities are shaped by our passions and interests and those things that I just mentioned and building community is just like a like-minded space where you can if you lead in a community you can build standards and and basically be a cultural architect Mm. to shape an environment and you know to to use your personality and your passion to improve the lives of others you know Mm. and a byproduct of that is is improving your own life because Mm. the more you give the more you get back um and I think what I found in my experience of building communities in, in terms of like amateur football, I think the reason why I love it so much is it's, it's unregulated and you can have your vision and you can apply that to your team, your community, and you can use the maximum resource and attention to detail you can to enhance the experience of those uh, that you're facilitating towards positive outcomes that they may have. So maybe like, you know, getting back into playing football, just just getting through the 90 minutes, you know, or having like a service where, you know, the changing room set up for you, you know, you, you don't have to worry about that side of it. It's every, you have to do an audit of every single step of the experience mm-hmm. those people are coming into and make sure that you're using the maximum resource for their benefit. Yeah, most definitely. I definitely agree with that because that's something that I'm wanting to push a lot more this year in terms of building more of a community feel with everybody on board. And I think it it does bring people together. It brings that sense of togetherness and it makes you feel as if you're on a journey together with other people. And I think winning at anything in life, if you win on your own, it's it's not fun. It's not fun at all. But when you win with others, it's a it's a different ball game. It's a literal different ball game. And I think football is a vessel for that, or even sport in general, because you've got a team of like-minded individuals who all have the same goal, who are all working towards the same specific goal. And if you can work together as a team, but individuals in that team and build a sense of community and achieve that goal, it's it's something that, you know, it's a massive sense of achievement. And I think it's an achievement that can be spread for, for everybody inside that community. And I know you mentioned there about responsibility because I know you've worked alongside amateur football for quite some time, obviously when you were down south and things like that. 
And responsibility is a huge part of that. You know, you have to take on the responsibility of, of players. And, you know, like you said there, making sure that the, the changing room sorted, making sure the kit sorted, making sure everything runs smoothly on the day. How important do you think responsibility is when it comes to things like this and, and kind of taking responsibility for others in a community? Yeah, I think there's, there's so much value in it. And if you're heading up something, it's the most important thing because how you show up is is going to project your energy mm-hmm. on others. So it's absolutely massive. Yeah, you you have to take you have to take the responsibility in order to get what you want out of it, and to make sure everybody else has a good time. And you know, if you don't if you don't show up, then you'll, you know, the, the repercussions and you'll, you'll just, you'll, you'll notice that people might drop off. They might not come again. And it, it's just as a, as, as a leader, you have to, you have to project the energy that you want to transmit on every, everybody around you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. And what do you think are like the aspects of being a leader? Yeah, I think I, I love it, and I, and I think I've missed I've missed that over the past four years. I think, you know, it gives it gives confidence, and and it, but essentially by by leading, you're helping others, you know, have a have a good time, yeah, or having a better experience, and your people are trusting you through your knowledge or your vision, your experience, to take them on a journey, you know alongside yourself and other members Mm, most definitely and i find that that's one great way to build confidence as well is when you have like an undeniable stack of evidence from 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 not only your own actions but also from other people who are relying on you who count on you that's how you build your confidence that's how you you build your self-worth and that's how you climb the ladder of leadership and you know get into places that you've not been before Um, and i think you know for a lot of people they're always thinking about, you know, why they can't be a leader or they can't do something, but you just have to get started. You have to get that ball rolling. And for a lot of people who are yeah. listening as well, it's like, you know, people would want to do this. They would want to be a leader or a role model in a community, but they just think they're not good enough. But that's not the case. It's just making sure you're getting going and you're moving towards it. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about passion and also like this innate desire that you have to help other people, because this is how I feel as well. And I can tell from the way you speak about football and how much of a passion it is for you. And even like coaching and helping others, you know, you have this desire inside to to want to improve other people's lives, to want to have an impact. Why is it that you think you have this impact specifically with, with football? Or why is it that you have this mindset? I think, I think it's just because of the value I know that it's given my life. Um, and I think, basically, everybody that starts playing football does so for the enjoyment of it, you know, and does so normally through amateur grassroots football. Along the way, because of how the sport's marketed or if you've got um, a high level of skill, you will go to a professional environment or whatnot. You know, and you'll be in the stewardship of different people that will shape your journey. Um, one, of, so if you're in a professional art environment and you, 
you don't get the outcome of staying at that club. A lot of, a lot of players will drop out of the pool and you, you won't see them again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess for me, it was always knowing the value that amateur football gave me, but also bringing people back to that experience that got them playing the game in the first place mm. and kind of putting on an environment where it was like, you know, this it's okay to be playing at this mm-hmm. at this level in mm-hmm. as an adult, you know? Mm-hmm. Because and you why... can get a lot from it. Yeah. And it... And, and why Sorry, is it... no, it's all right. And why is it that you think you didn't kind of push towards you know, you know, coaching the pros and pushing more towards that, and you, you stuck around this amateur level. Is it because if you wanted to give that sense of community to other people who are who are like minded to you? Because you know, when it comes to myself and my coaching, one of the main drivers as to why I do what I do is because I have physically seen the change within myself, but also the mental change that I have made by doing the things in which I preach and doing the which the things in which I teach to others. And that's why I can see the value and how it's changed me as a person. And I want to offer that to somebody else. And I'm guessing that's very similar to you too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of, you know, I have been fortunate enough to work with players that have been professional footballers and around that elite environment. I haven't personally been in that environment other than, maybe a six-month period of volunteering one day a week. Mm. So, for example, uh, a former professional player who's, who's now a coach would be more placed to coach uh, people in that environment, whereas I, I can only go off my own lived experience, which up until this point has been through the amateur game. That's not to say that I don't think I could add, add value in a professional em- environment because... You know, I'd like to think that, that I could. Um, but yeah, it's, it's purely coming from a place where that's, that's been the makeup of me. And I want to see that level of the game develop and grow culturally. Mm. And what have you used to kind of motivate people? I'm actually pretty interested. How do you motivate people? How do you get people going? How do you get that sense of community? Yeah, I think just a shared vision. It's like, look, look, come on board. We're going to do, this is what we're looking to do. We're looking to kind of, you know, document the journey and mm-hmm. as a group come together to to inspire others to, to go, look, this is, this is okay. I can go back to playing amateur football. Mm. You know, the examples there of players from Chelsea, Arsenal, Ipswich, you know, all these clubs within the radius of London and Essex, they're all going back to, to the roots to, to play football. So mm. why can't I go and do that and, uh, and, and have value from it, you know, in their life. Mm-hmm. And so, it's... yeah. And then, you know, that sometimes there is about like, you know, winning competitions and I know a big one for, for us back in London was we, we had we had just won uh, a national competition and the, the vision was to, to kind of get this group of players together and, and to, to hopefully go and retain uh, that competition. Fortunately, mm-hmm. we were unable to do that, but that was a reference point that we used throughout that season uh, mm-hmm. as we went on that journey. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it actually offers a great sense of purpose. And you mentioned this at the start of the, the podcast, and this is something that we spoke, we speak over on a quite regular basis. I think having purpose in life is important because it gives you direction. Having something that you're moving towards, having a specific goal set that's going to be better than where you are today gives you a sense of belonging. It, it gives you a sense of being a cog in a, in a, like a, a bigger machine. Like you have a role to play. You have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And I think that's important for a lot of people in particular, you know, a lot of guys that I speak to, because I, I speak to a lot of people who, who are quite lost, you know, they, they don't really know which, go, which direction they're going in. And just listen to you speak about it. It's like football's giving you that purpose. It's giving you that direction and that sense of belonging. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, like, I've been in jobs before where all I can think about is football, and that you know that that's generally my makeup is. I don't often, you know, other than like family and stuff, it's I don't often think about much else um, mm. because you know it is it is a big part of my, of my personality, um, just just the way my life has gone. Mm. Why is that? I just think I just became attached to it from, from like a very early age, whether that was from playing it or like, you know, computer games or playing outside in the garden or just football boots and just all the all the things that come with the game with playing the game. Mm. Just I just guess I loved it and I wasn't like exposed to other sports or, or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I just loved it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you have any role models in football? Um, I guess I guess like when I was younger, it was kind of the players that I would I would watch on a Sunday morning. Who like my dad would um, my dad would tell me to watch this striker called Gary Tyrrell, who was like a really really clever uh, striker with different types of finishes. I remember like, like really vividly watching him like lob the keeper just so easily on this on this pitch and just thinking wow and. I later got to partner Gary up front, you know, I later got to play with my heroes kind of 10 years later then mm. from when I was watching them. And it was just, it was just amazing. You know, it was like, I, I'm an Everton fan, but I never really, I've never really thought about playing for Everton. It was always thinking about, you know, maybe I can play with these guys one day. And, mm. and so I was able to do that. And it was, it, it was just, it was just really a really nice, nice thing to, to happen. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of now role models, you know, with social media and stuff, it's very, um, you can find good information. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at like, as a, from a playing perspective, I look at like Jamie Vardy, Thomas Muller, uh, you know, similar age, you're playing at the top, top level, uh, kind of like 14 levels above me. But I'm always thinking, what are they doing that I'm not seeing mm. that's going to help me to play till I'm 39, 40? Mm -hmm. How can I? And then so I'll go into like a deep dive then of like, what, yeah, what, what habits do they have and what are they, yeah, what are they doing off the pitch? And that's a big part of like what I want to kind of do through um, the coaching and stuff and just building my knowledge to find this information and. How can then I um, project that onto to players of the amateur game? Mm -hmm. uh, and also, like from a coaching standpoint, there's a guy called Darius Charles who is an ex-professional. I don't know him personally, 
but I've been following his journey. Uh, and when I was working at Mondial, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to meet a guy called Mark Robinson, who's a football coach. He was working at AFC Wimbledon at the time. He's now at Chelsea. And I think Darius worked, Darius worked with him at Wimbledon. But he's um, he's coaching grassroots players and academy players at the moment, and I think it's really um, a really good style of like communication. Communication is like such a big a big part of football coaching, you know, mm-hmm. and how you're getting information across. Now, his evidence of playing however many appearances he's got and being around influential people is massive to them to who he's facilitating mm. um and yeah i'm just really curious um to let to, to be able to learn I'm, I'm grateful to be able to follow his platform and and what he's doing yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm a big believer that success leaves clues and if you're looking at different players or in this case coaches so that mark robinson you can look at him coaching. You can pick apart different things that he has that you think will be a benefit for you. You can take a bit of communication. You can take a bit of how he speaks or how he presents himself and apply that to yourself. And that improves your coaching because that's something that I've done massively with, with the things that I do as well. I've looked at an array of different coaches. I've looked at an array of different trainers and I've picked the best parts, hopefully, from everybody um, and forgot about the things that I don't think are very important. Um, and in regards to role models, because I know you mentioned a few names there, I think role models are so important for people, and there's not many big role models nowadays. I think in the football game, it's good to look up to good to look up to people, and um, there's there's different role models, you know, across the board with everyone. But when it comes to, to role models, how important do you think they are for people to be striving towards something? Yeah, I think I think they are important. I think you said something good to me the other day about like you can you can get bogged down and kind of looking at somebody else's physical appearance and think, oh, I want to be like them. But essentially no same person's got the same makeup, yep. but you can, you can definitely um, look at, you can, you can identify yourself or like a future version of yourself with, with people you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to, to do that, but don't, don't ever think that they, they might be going through some, some battles as well you know, um, and how they're dealing with it. And yeah, I just think it's always, it's always good to surround, to, to look at people who are where you want to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, let's say a trait of a good role model or somebody who you're following is, is somebody who doesn't just show the good because they give you a, a full snapshot of what the process is actually like. Because I think, in nowadays with social media, as you mentioned there, it's very easy to think, you know, I want to be like this person, right? So we then start to almost subconsciously compare ourselves. And I know this is something that we've spoke about previously as well. We start to subconsciously compare ourselves. And this is kind of like the, the, the downside or the dark side to a role model, because you're comparing someone else's year 10 or 15 to your year one. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're being up and you're thinking you know i'm not doing this i've not got this you know i'm not in this position my fitness levels aren't like this but in reality it takes years of work and graft to get to that position so as much as we want to have these role models we need to understand that yes that can give us a goal to work towards 
But then we've got to start to reverse engineer that goal. We need to start to think, okay, so where do I need, need to be in the next week? Where do I need to be in the next month, the next year, the next five years? And then we can start to map out a bit of a plan of action to get to this place in which we want to get to, which is, I like to this, this role model too. Um, and, you know, we always talk over this Andy Elliott fella and Mark Coles, two, two, two really important role models, you say, for a lot of people. Um, but they're just a prime example of people who show not only the good, but the bad, but also the truth. And I think the truth is very important when it comes to, let's say, progressing or moving forward. And I'm guessing this is the same for coaching as well, because this is how I coach. I think it's important to, to be truthful, to tell the truth um, and to take that responsibility for your coaching clients as well, to make sure that you're, you're pointing them in the right direction. And for you, you know, when you're coaching, when you're on the field, obviously you mentioned about communication. Do you think telling the truth is important? Do you think telling, you know, good and bad and positives and negatives, picking up on those things is, is, is important? Yeah, it's massive because if you're not telling the truth, then you're, you're getting in the way personal development and mm. you know honesty is the best policy and you sh if you're putting that trust in that coach it should be a unwritten rule that you know the communication is massive on the way you communicate it but you don't want to you don't want to um, there's no you shouldn't be dressing it up mm -hmm. because you need you also need to talk at it to the ego of that person, like ego, as we, as we know, is a is a massive part, and it really does get in the way. And some on the surface, you don't want to hear things, but mm -hmm. afterwards, you you appreciate where it's come from. Mm -hmm. And if you're not surrounding yourself with like people who are being honest with you and want want you to do get the best out of yourself, it's a waste of time, really. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and likewise, if you're in an environment where you don't want to be in, you, you you're wasting the other other people's time, you know. So you've got to you you've got to have that trust and that honesty at all times. And I guess like the skill of it is is in how you communicate things. That's whether mm -hmm. your body language and, and 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 you know verbally and all of these things come into account. Mm -hmm. And how much do you think, let's say, development on the field? is actually development off the field. Yeah, definitely, because if if you're, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you're developing on the pitch and you're present on the pitch and you're, you're constantly looking at how you can improve and that could be from anything from your first touch or your, your, uh, running back your fitness or how you're talking to the referee, how you're talking to your teammates, how you're obtaining information from the sideline. There's so many, there's so many elements to, um, you know, I always say like football is like life in terms of what you make it. Mm -hmm. And there's so many lessons that you can get in terms of like, yeah, building relationships with your teammates, your coaches, officials. How are you letting that, you know, if the referee's made a, a mistake or you give a decision that you didn't like, how are you responding to that? Mm -hmm. You know, is that is that dominating the, your uh, reflection after the mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Just Just things like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think football's like a bit of a vessel because for me when I was younger, rugby was a, a great analogy for life looking back because it taught me lots of lessons 
without actually teaching me a direct lesson, if that makes sense. So whether it be, you know, running into a rock, you know, getting absolutely smashed and getting back up and, you know, having respect with the referee or, you know, confronting another player and then having to shake hands at the end of the game. All of these things are almost kind of secret lessons for life, if if you can kind of see it in that way. Is that the same for football with you? And do, do you view it in that way with obviously the people in which you coach? Oh, 100%. Like, I've got a friend, a friend coming to visit me um, this weekend who was in a professional environment and then basically I wanted him to be part of my setup in London and I watched play uh, an eight aside um, in like a league on a, on a Monday and just how he was communicating to like his teammates and the referee and I just I just thought you know what I'm gonna I want to help I want to help him understand and unpack you know the these traits that are going to improve his performance and his experience playing football mm. and like I just I remember just seeing him improve week after week after week. You know, you're taking you're taking players who have played like on in, in stadiums or in environments that are to the eye uh, better than just a park pitch. You know, mm. two nets. Mm. But essentially, it's the same thing. But it's like how you manage your mindset in that format you know and mm -hmm. I just became obsessed in helping him work through these different situations and relationships he was having with himself when he'd give the ball away mm. uh, or when something didn't come off to also mm. how he was not letting the referee affect his performance mm. and it was just that's that's what coaching is for me that's I, I, like that's what I miss in terms of like com coaching competitive teams that was that was what it, that was what it was about for me, rather than setting up a, a team. Like it's also good to set up a team and uh, to get a result. Mm. But going into that direction, I didn't really do too much of that. It was more do too much of that. It was more facilitating the personalities that I had um, that had entrusted me to bring them in mm. and and improving them, which mm. with skills that they take in other areas of my life. And he's like, he's like an amazing um, estate agent now. Mm. You know, he's, he's gone a, on a completely different career track. But the energy that he gives to his craft is is, is amazing, you know. Mm. Mm. Most definitely. I think the attention to detail is so important when it does come to coaching. And you hit the nail on the head there. And you're talking about mindset a little bit, talking about the the little switches in perspective you can have with different moments in time. And this is something that I talk over a lot with what I do, because I'm a firm believer that it is all in your head at the end of the day. It's all in your head. And how you perceive situations is how that situation is going to go. You know, your perspective will determine your reality. That's one of my most uh, favorite quotes of all time, because, you know, you can have two situations that will happen, but you can have two people that will react in uh, or the same situation. Sorry, that will happen. But you can have two different people with two completely different reactions, which will then have a cascade of events, let's say later on in the game in football, that's going to impact things in the future. Um, so when it comes to those small mindset changes, is that something that you delve deep into quite a lot and changing perspectives? 
I'd say it is now. I think I'm becoming a lot more aware. I think with what happened with the pandemic, it, I basically just curled up in a ball and I lost much everything. And when when my um, the, the, the project that I was managing, the, building the the football club, uh, you know, it, it it basically derailed, and you know, it was it was hard. It, it was. I've been going through like a long grieving per- period. It's, it's been really hard, and I think how I reacted then, like I had so much equipment and that that you know I gave away because I just wanted to close close the door on it in terms of like not like kit but more like uh, training equipment and stuff, um, which I could have I could have easily thought okay that that project is gone, but I'm I'm just going to leave it where it is and then start continue coaching or find something else. Mm-hmm. But what I did is let the I let the um the negativity of the situation take over me and it was really hard like it has been hard especially because at that time uh, my girlfriend was pregnant and you know that I probably haven't allowed myself to experience a lot of the emotions that you know that come with being a, a father because mm-hmm. I, I really regret what happened there, and it's been hard for me to overcome. And it's mm-hmm. only like in the last kind of six to twelve months where I've really looked inward and been, been got to I've got to accept this now and and you know and move on and 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 try and like align myself to mm-hmm. my purpose and my vision and what does that look like and basically mm-hmm. start from scratch again and have that confidence to, to find me place in, in terms of what I want to affect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mindset's massive. And obviously I've seen you kind of go through that transition a little bit, obviously heard through Tom a little bit, the transition. And um, I know you said it's been difficult because when you were down South doing Mundial Mag, that was something that was, a, you know, something that was massive to you. You know, it was something that meant a lot and you had a lot of time and, you know, effort and resources invested into that. And it was just kind of, it was dropped on your feet like a, on a penny drop and all of a sudden it was over. How did you kind of, how did you get over that? How did you use to kind of use that as, as things to move forward? I, w- I would, if I'm being honest, like I haven't, I haven't got it. I haven't got over it. And if I'm being brutally honest, that that has stagnated like my progress uh and yeah it's it's, it's been hard i think why it's, why do you think it yeah, a lot like, of still why do you think you, you're still kind of stuck on it a little bit oh just because just because i think i'd, I'd worked hard like in terms of like building relationships and uh, um reputation where I was and so move back home and have all them relationships caught you know it was instead of thinking having the mindset of okay I've, I've done that in London now mm. don't worry and sit on like skills and passions because I could have there was nothing really stopping me from going into like areas of Liverpool or Manchester and doing the same thing I think it was just the fact of Having built these relationships with the people who was, you know, involved in that project, it was 
I just I just let it dwell and I let it let it get get worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Would you say that was like the first significant setback that you had? Um, possibly, yeah. I think I think essentially when I look when I look at it and like a lot of areas in whether it's developing a physique or career or performance in football, whatever level, I think if I'm being honest, I've talked I've talked a good game, mm-hmm. but you have to put the work in. In in all areas, you have to put the work in. There's no other way to say it, you know. And that's what I'm I'm doing now in terms of like coming through that process. Although it has, it feels like it was yesterday, but it's been it's been four years. But until you face it head on, mm-hmm. nothing will change, you know. So you have to you have to go on that journey uh, through setbacks. And yeah, there, there has been there has been a lot of setbacks. Uh, and I and I probably haven't reacted well to them, but that that's what I'm trying to trying to change now. Yeah, and I saw something the other day about uh, people who are let's say successful in the certain field that they want to be successful with, and it's all about failure because failure is like a, an essential part of anybody's journey, or failure or setbacks and barriers and challenges you could say. So not just failure alone. I think that's a bit of a harsh term sometimes, but I think the quicker that you can almost overcome a lesson or overcome a barrier, take the positives as much as you possibly can from that and then leave every single negative in the past and then move forward with the things in which you've learned and then develop forward because of that. That's how you develop. That's how you overcome these things. Personally, that's what I believe anyway, because even when my mum passed away, and this is something that I always talk over on a regular basis because it was a, a massive lesson for me because I can I can leave the negative part in the past and I can take the good things in which she's given me and the lessons in which she's taught me. And then, you know, something like a massive setback like that, it's hard to overcome. But I've realized that, you know, all of these things happen in life, whether we like it or not. You know, we have this external environment that's always going to be impacting us and we need to control the way that we respond to these things because we're that gives us 100% control all the time. And I think we always want to be in control. We don't want to be at mercy of this environment around us all the time because if we are, you know, we're going to be up and down like there's no tomorrow or like the weather, you know, one day will be great, another day won't be great. And I think it's about changing our perspective of failure. And it's alike to what you mentioned before about, you know, coaching. You know, if someone's to, to give away the ball in, you know, uh, I don't know, in the second, third or whatever it may be, it's about changing their perspective of how they respond to that situation. Instead of letting it drown them out and being a negative, switch on, do something else, go back, you know, work back, whatever it may be, change your perspective of it. Because I think that makes you go a, a very, very long way. So what are your lessons from this? And, you know, when the time which you were at Mundial and obviously coming out of COVID and now getting back into coaching, what are your lessons from it? And if anyone's listening who have had a bit of a setback or uh, a bit of a barrier that they've, they've had to overcome, or maybe they're fixating on something that they've, they've, they've done in the past, which isn't so good, they've, they've had an opportunity taken away from them. What would you kind of say to them? Yeah, so, you know, you do have to go through that period, but don't let it take over your life. You know, I'd say a good thing to do is maybe journal and write it down, how it's making you feel the positives and negatives from it and then let it set you up for, for what's next because like you said there and I, I can only imagine what you went through in that process of losing your mum mm. but, but you have to understand and 
prepare yourself that these things might happen what and to, to maybe you know you can't have like a plan b on, on outcomes like that mm-hmm. but it's how can you yeah how can you deal with with what's happened to create a positive outcome into what's next yeah the quick the quicker you can do that and and, and loss is not an easy thing to overcome it can be it can be a long old journey you have to start the process sooner rather than later mm-hmm. otherwise okay. otherwise you know as as with what's happened with me you kind of lose that three four year period where you might have you might have advanced you know you might have had more consistent results and got closer to where you want to get to mm-hmm. most definitely now something that you do and something that I do as well with my socials is telling stories. And I want to ask you the importance of telling stories because especially in the game of football, you know, you talking about, you know, past experiences or, you know, different teams doing different things and talking over their experiences. How do you think it is important to tell stories about football or throughout coaching to impact other people? Yeah, massively. Like somebody once said to me, like the closer you can get to the subject, the better the story is. Mm. And I think that when you're telling, telling a story, for it to have that like uh, authentic authenticity is quite a buzzword, isn't it? But in order to have that, you need to have been around the topic and you need to have lived experience and knowledge mm. of the subject around what you're telling the story of mm. and with, with authority as well. Mm. Um, because you're like you said earlier about having the, the evidence um, and that's that's where the best stories are told mm. um, you know them key messages what you're looking to highlight in the stories mm-hmm. aligned with the reason why you're telling that you want them to have a ripple effect on the audience you want you want to for example if it's football and the stories I would love to tell I would the outcome I would want is for people to think oh I need to get my boots back on or you know I want I want to I want to be like him or I want to or her or I want that experience just get conversations starting and mm-hmm. I think should all stories that you're telling should be looking to have a positive impact on the subject or the industry which it comes with you know yeah definitely they're inspiring I think they're very inspiring and it does show your evidence too like you said and I think to be in a role you know where you're a leader or you are coaching a specific amount of people. I think it is just as important to not only, um, you know, say, but also do. And I think telling stories almost kind of gives you validity a little bit. It gives your words more weight because you've done the things, you've been there, you've been in the situation, you've lived through it. And I think that kind of refers back to, you know, it's not just about talking the talk, it's about walking the walk. It gives you that sense of validity, especially if you're kind of talking to other people who are wanting to do what you've done before. I think that's very important. Yeah, it is. That's that's it. I think, you know, less talk, more action. Something that I need to carry with me um, in my in my life and and in and in the future. Don't be afraid to fail. I think that's something. I've I've been so afraid to fail, or it might not be perfect because in the past, you know, I've had access to like professional photographers or filmmakers or, or whatever around the environment and sometimes you just have to go back to square one mm-hmm. and just deliver the service that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and let 
and let that, you know, build, give you the momentum. Mm-hmm. But if you just sit, if you just sit there and you're scared of getting started and doing what it is you want to do, you're you're just going to stay the same and you're not going to progress and it's you're not you're not doing yourself justice or the people that you're able to affect by just like procrastinating or you know and it's it's easy this this is what I've been doing so I'm not really comfortable saying it because I need to I need to take action which is which is what I'm hoping to you know which is what I'm going to do going forward yeah nice I think even that changing your vocabulary there instead of what I'm hoping to do to what I'm going to do it's speaking with more certainty I think that's so important but just linking back to this topic I think ego gets in the way you mentioned it before ego is one of the things and this can be in any industry as well and I think it's so important to have ego death to let go of your ego to go back to be able to go back to square one to be able to ask somebody else for help to be able to you know uh, listen to somebody or when somebody's trying to speak to you instead of thinking about what you're going to say next listen to the person which they're talking about think about you know what can I gain from this situation and do you think that's something that is is something that you know a lot of people need to go through themselves oh massively massively i've just been through it myself like you know in a, in a job last year where you know the the job um spec probably wasn't like fully aligned to what i feel my skills are but my attitude and my ego got in the way it was like oh, i'm not i don't need to learn that new skill learn that new skill or you know it was like really really exposed really exposed the, the bad the bad in me or oh, i could do better than that or mm-hmm. you know different things and it was it's, it's you have to yeah you, you have to you have to look at that inward station with yourself um mm-hmm. how you respond to things is, is everything isn't it yeah. and, and you can only you can only you can only develop that through experience Ego's massive. It's like, it's like in, you know, with, with who, who people you coach and, and stuff. It's always you. You have to overcome the ego. Will say, oh, just stay in. Don't go to the gym or you're running kits dirty. Don't go for a run or these mm. these little these little uh, this that the ego. Somebody told me um, the ego's purpose is to kill you. Mm. It's to it's to take you as far away from your goals mm-hmm. as possible mm-hmm. it's not your friend but that voice will show up every day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm sick you know what i mean i'm sick of i'm sick of that voice yeah. but you have to learn how to manage it you know because yeah. if you don't it'll just t- it'll just take you away and it'll mm-hmm. it'll create a new identity for you without you even realizing yeah uh, and, and yeah that really affected me like you know it's gone that experience of a job last year maybe it wasn't but the lessons that i learned is that you need to stop listening to your, to your ego mm-hmm. and come away from it and just mm-hmm. just move forward and don't be afraid to learn new skills or not be good at something straight away, you know. And, and mm-hmm. just be patient as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that's holding, and in my experience, a lot of males back in particular, the the essence of not being good at something when they first begin. So for me... You know, somebody would come to me because they want advice with their training and nutrition or they want advice with, you know, their execution, the gym or whatever it may be. A lot of people won't even take that first step because they think they know it all. They think they know everything. They think everything's in a good position. But 
you have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to be a beginner. And this is why I will always be doing another course. This is why I'll always be asking for help. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't care. I will always try and think I could, I could get something out of this person. It doesn't matter, you know, who they are, what their experience have been, you know, how successful they are, whatever it may be, you can obtain some valuable information from absolutely everybody. And if that's the viewpoint in which you take when you do meet people, think about how quickly you will develop. It will be a huge compound. And if you do that for a long time, if you constantly take little golden nuggets from absolutely everybody and you're interested in people and you let that ego go and you just think, I don't care. And it goes back to like when I was in uni as well, like a lot of people that they wouldn't put their hand up and ask a question because they didn't want to look stupid or they didn't want somebody else to think this and think that. But you need to let it go of what anybody else will think and you need to put yourself first. And this is something that I've learned the hard way as well self-prioritization you need to put yourself first you need to put your wants and your needs first regardless of anybody else around you because if you don't do that nobody else is going to do that for you and you're going to end up drifting away from this situation potentially that you wanted to achieve and you're starting to become a person who you know isn't really you anymore you know you're doing things because you don't really want to do them or you're doing them because of somebody else or whatever it may be and obviously you end up down a bit of a deep dark hole yeah that's it that's it and like you're allowed to do nice things. You're allowed to you're allowed to better yourself, and you know that I think that's a lot of us are really hard on ourselves and beat ourselves up. But you're allowed to feel good. You know, you, obviously, there's a lot of people to compare yourself to with um, how accessible Instagram is and whatnot. But mm. when you when you kind of develop that perspective of like. You're almost like in your own uh, your own video game of you can you can make this what you want it to be. Yeah. But you have to overcome the ego and you know not. I've I've had that as well where I don't I, you know I don't want to put my hand up or don't want to speak out. But essentially, like the people that do, they're going to take the most away from the course and the experience. Mm-hmm. And it and you will you will find that they're the ones who will be the most successful. Because mm-hmm. they're gaining momentum on the subject and they're carrying it, it, that energy with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And other people hold the keys to the door that you want to go through. In a coaching element, your coach will know or the person in which you listen to will know. And that's what I said before about taking bits and bobs from absolutely everybody. Like the more that you can do that and the more that you can think about, okay, this person's got some information that I require. I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask a question and see if I can get some information out of them. And Say in a coaching element, that's very important. And anybody who's just constantly asking questions will usually progress forward very quickly. Now, I wanted to ask about one thing because I know a lot of the things you do around football and there's this saying about health is wealth. And this is something I love to talk about with a lot of my team. And as you are kind of currently valuing, let's say, longevity in the game, you're trying to get people back into football, playing football and stuff like that, um, especially as you get older, is there anything you change along your journey to, to kind of preempt that? Um, and what is your kind of perspective on health is wealth now? Yeah, I think I'll start with, with how you finished it. I think just the most important priority you can have is your health uh, in relation to football. And something, a message that I'm looking to carry with me is I think football at all levels 
and amateur football, especially with what I'm focusing on, can take kind of lessons from sports like running and cycling in terms of like when you look at a team sheet, you're looking for your fit name, your name first, like any level, and you should always be looking to improve each week. So it's how can you know with like technology and, and data and stuff. There's all these resources available, um, which you can get as a team or as an individual, which make your experience better of playing the sport. Uh, that could be through like tracking your tracking your running, playing like something that I do. But the conversation around that amateur level, it would be like, oh, that's sad that what that you're doing that, you're taking it too serious or whatnot. Which is, people are entitled to their opinion, but. It gives me something else to to focus on through the week and work on it. How can I get better? You know, and that's all you essentially do through running and cycling. What you can do for your individual performance is gonna is gonna um, affect you know the the overall team. So, what you said there about like, is there anything I would do to preempt it? It was just I like a proper victim mentality when I was I was younger playing football. It was like. I was always sub, you know, a lot of the time. Uh, I really wasn't consistent, like, in the gym or trying to um, improve myself. Like, the highest I got to was, was to do a pre-season with Warrington Town first team. Mm. And there was a 17-year-old um, player there at the time called Sam Finley. And Sam was, like, relentless. You know what I mean? Every, he wanted to do one more push-up than everyone else. He wanted mm. to sprint faster than anyone else. He was like, you know, he was, he was simple. He was a leader in that group of, of men. I was like a few years older than him. I was probably like more concerned about like getting the tracksuit for, for the team yeah. than I was from putting the work in and being grateful and grabbing the opportunity by making sure I was leaving no stone unturned. Sam went, Sam's gone on and, and still is having, um, you know, a really successful career in the football league with Bristol Rovers, and so it just shows if you if you apply yourself, you will get there, you will get mm-hmm. there. But that that like when you used to give, if I give the ball away at that stage, I would dwell on it. I would go home and take it with me, and it would make me not want to go the next the next time. But mm-hmm. that's how you build. That's how you build yourself up, and you, you deal with setbacks better. And I, I never, I never, um, I never did that, you know. And uh, so, if I, if I was to go back now, it would probably be to that to that stage around. Uh, I think it was like 2010, and just mm-hmm. just like, you know, whether I, uh, yeah, I would I would just build a really clear structure of, you know, how I was going to show up. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of like preempting that and thinking about what mm. you can do, I'm a big advocate of what is measured is managed. And I'm pretty sure you have some metrics of how you will track your progress with, you know, the teams in which you work with or whatever it may be. How would you track your progress? And I'm just kind of going at this from a stance of somebody listening and thinking, you know, I want to improve. I want to preempt that. What can I be doing? What can I be tracking? Yeah, I think if like if you're in the gym and you're trying to improve, power and then you just basically need to take like a, a pad in with you and you know trying to increase the the weight that you're lifting um just just little things like that where 
you know what you've got to beat the next time you go. Um, the the example I mentioned before was like just wearing a tracking um, vest, or you know you can get them second hand for for pretty cheap now, or you know you can't use your watch on the pitch. When I've done a few times, because when you you're trying to fly your arms about to, to defenders, they'll uh, they'll tell the ref that you've got a watch on. So I, that's why I use the uh, the tracker vest. But it's just even like a quite expensive but for like a grassroots team you can even get like a camera that follows the the pitch you know and they mm-hmm. say the subscriptions are quite uh, expensive mm-hmm. but it depends how far you want to go because to review the footage of how you played after the game it's in front of you and you can you can see oh next time I might have had an extra touch or mm-hmm. I might have played that pass a bit earlier or I could I could have, I could have closed that defender down a bit earlier or these things are available to all of us. It's just about how much you, you know, focusing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, every, but I, I do agree with you, and it's something that you've made me aware of is success is something that has to be measured. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you need to kind of not not focus so much on the overall task, but break it down into little little steps along the journey. Yeah, most definitely. And... I think it's so important to not only um, track progress, but to see progress, to see the way you're going, to see the direction in which you're going as well. And I say this a lot with everyone I work with is momentum and feeling as if you're moving forward is, is just as important as moving forward itself, because it gives you that sense of, let's say, happiness or fulfillment that you're working towards this specific goal that you have in mind. So in your case, it could be maybe um, tracking things. It could be getting stronger in the gym. It could be getting fitter on specific cardio machines. It could be communicating better and, and somehow tracking that through video analysis or whatever it may be. Whatever it may be, I'm not sure. It's just making sure we're we're measuring all these things. Now, obviously, I mentioned I'm, I'm, nutrition as well, Joe. Sorry to you know you can be in the shop, can't you? And you, you'll see the, the chocolate aisle, and you're thinking, "Well, oh, fancy that." Yeah, but do you know? If you if you go and pick that bar of chocolate up, which I've done so many times, mm-hmm. is that gonna is that gonna put a vote in the favour of the person you want to become? Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to have that hard conversation with yourself when you're in the aisle, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is it's tough because you want these you want these um, temptations, don't you? Yeah. But the, but you have to always revert back to what what am I doing this for, and what how am I going to feel when I get there? Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And that's something I also talk over as well about value decision-making process, thinking about the the value of having, let's say that chocolate bar versus the value of achieving the specific result in which you want to achieve, which one's more valuable to you as a person. And this is why I think it's so important to be connected to your values. And I love to ask questions around that about, you know, why is it you do what you do? And it's because if we create a very good emotional attachment with that, it becomes clear and all those big bumps in the road suddenly become very small because we can then see that, okay, that is insignificant. Having that chocolate bar just to satiate a 15 minute craving is insignificant. Me playing better on Sunday and having better energy levels and scoring or, you know, winning the game is way more valuable. And it's about linking to that as much as you possibly can. And a lot of people they are dragged from pillar to post just based off the short term Instagram application. 
and you get led, like led astray if you're just constantly going with what you want now instead of what you want most. Yeah, I think yeah. when I was working with you and you know we do you know discovered these nice biscuits that the butchers were doing. You know, and I couldn't I couldn't resist the temptation, but now I look back, you know, I did that that stopped that got in the way. It was a it was a it was a luxury, and it's okay to kind of do it in moderation, but you can't. You can't lose track of the goal and what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve, you know. And that's just like a, a reference point there. But it's like, uh, are you gonna are you gonna stay on your phone and just scroll Instagram, or are you gonna go and do that stretch or mobility work that you've got to do to to make sure that your hamstrings aren't tight for Saturday? You know, yeah. these little these little things just add up. You know, mm-hmm. fifteen minutes a day. Over the course of a, of a, over the course of a season, it adds up, and that's what I used mm-hmm. to just to revert back to like my football team at the at the gun and uh, and then Mondial. It was like I used to make make us uh, make the players arrive fifteen minutes earlier because just I valued that social element of the changing room mm-hmm. so much that I knew that over time that would develop a better team spirit and they used to like mm-hmm. they used to think it was it was too much you know on a sunday morning they basically turn up the same time they would for work yeah but but there was a there was a, a bit of a deeper meaning in, in it and uh yeah. it's, it's it's basically the same mm-hmm. have you ever heard about sir david brailsford no so sir david brailsford is a well, he was, I'm not sure if he still is, but he was the cycling coach uh, for England or UK at the Olympics one year. And his whole idea of success was 1% variables, right? And you've just reminded me of it there because a lot of people, when they come to thinking about how they can improve performance, let's say in a cycling environment is getting on the bike, how can we get faster? You know, what can we do on the track? But Sir David Brailsford was looking at, okay, so how do we make sure that we get a good night's sleep? Let's get a pillow sponsorship sorted. How can we make sure that everybody's hydrated? Let's make sure that we get some some hydration sachets for everybody for the training. How can we make sure everybody's well-fueled? We all eat in the canteen together and we all have the same food to make sure it's all, it's all there and, you, you know, nutritionally complete, whatever it may be. And I remember hearing this about, three years ago and this massively impacted my coaching because I was thinking every step of the way with who I coach I'm always constantly thinking what else could they be doing because you can always be doing something else and if you truly do want to achieve this goal in which you set so like you said there about stretching for the weekends right it's not actually that much of a thing it's not that much of an effort to to do these things it's just making sure that we're going that extra mile and putting in that extra effort and if you assess all the areas of your life and think about okay what can i be doing ask that question what can i be doing i think it is important to ask yourself questions as well but ask yourself what can i be doing and not just with the specific thing itself but look outside of that look at all of the different variables whether it be your sleep whether it be your flexibility whether it be your nutrition you know some parts of your training your mindset relationships how you view things regulating your emotions stress management anything if you look at all of these things you've always got a goal you've always got something to work towards and i think if you look at the pro level game you'll be finding that they have got people 
in all different areas thinking, right, okay, how can I help them improve this? How can I help them improve this? And they've got all of these outlets to constantly be improving. And that's what allows you to kind of raise your own game. And the compound interest effect of that is insane. I think there's that diagram. I'm not sure if it's on J- in James Clear's book, but it talks about being 1% better every single day in comparison to someone being 1% worse. The difference at the end of the year, just through taking one small step every day, and it's only a small step, that's all that requires, the difference is absolutely huge by the back end. And that is the the compound consistency effect that you do get. Yeah, I think it goes back to, to what we said at the top about like maximizing the resource that you have available. Um, you know, and that comes from like decision making. So in terms of like what what food you're buying in the supermarket and you know, people would always say, Oh, it's just Sunday football, you know. Well I would look at it as like but you can. I want my. I want the nets to be set up better than anybody else's. I want the best net pegs. You know, I want the best mm-hmm. net ties. You know, we had the same pair of shorts for three years, muddy short, muddy stains on them. But I thought, I want to put the club badge on them. I want to put numbers on them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, just any little, any little, um, any little touch that I thought would be better than the week before, or the season before, that people would subconsciously recognize mm. um and i used to love that i think that somebody once said to me i can always we used to play on hackney marshes which is like the only the, it's like the biggest grassroots football hub in uh, in the country one of the biggest in europe and someone what somebody once said i can always tell your team because they're always they always look immaculate mm. You know, and I just thought that's 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 great that because I wanted us to be like a unit, you know, and yeah. Again, people would say, Oh, it's only Sunday football, but I, I wanted them all wearing the same colour sock papers, the socks and the same coloured mm. under uh, base layers and all going out in the same warm up top. So all these things all these things just made sense for me that would improve the experience you know, mm-hmm. of the of the people involved. You know, mm-hmm. and whether that was a factor or not, you know, I don't know, but I enjoyed I enjoyed that that element to it, yeah. Yeah. I think that's one hundred percent gonna play a factor. Because I think when you when you take after those or you look after those small variables and you know, you look good, it's what you said before. The way you do one thing is the way that you do everything. If you start with poor standards, with unclean kit, with balls that aren't pumped up on a on a shitty pitch or whatever it may be, that's going to be the standard of the day most of the time, if you think about it. It's about making sure you live true to those standards and set those standards for yourself. And that comes down to the personal standards in which you want to have as well. And I think that's quite valuable for a lot of people to think about your personal standards whether it be your appearance, whether it be what you are doing on a day-to-day basis, whether it be how much you care or the reasons why you're doing something, your personal standards are based off this. And I think it's very important to address these because there's a lot of people talking the talk or saying they have this, let's say, high standard, this high personal standard, when their actions and the habits aren't reflecting it at all on the day-to-day basis. And it's about making sure that those two things are aligned every day. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a great point and like, just as a reference, like I can only give evidence and say that in that in that experience of running the teams, 
that's the mindset I had in other areas of my life. I haven't had that. And I'm, so I'm trying to attribute that to, to, to kind of areas where I need can say, and I, to, I keep going back to, to that, um, that experience. I, I always wanted to be first there in the morning. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. even before, before the, the gate, the, uh, the, the doors were unlocked, I wanted to make sure, you know, yeah, I was just first to everything because mm-hmm. I knew that that would be setting an example and for the for the for the lads who were, who were and the, and the girls who were who were coming to play um and and as i say it's you know you're not you're not going to you're not going to do that every day it's not going to be be possible but i think yeah waking up every day wanting to improve and better yourself it's, there's no there's no shame in that that's you know that's a, a good thing to do yeah it was definitely what are you doing from a self-development standpoint? It's something I'm massively invested into, reading books, listening to podcasts, cold exposure, going to the gym. What are you doing from a, a self-development standpoint? Just being really aware and like trying to be conscious of how I'm reacting to certain situations, whether it's in like family life or like I said earlier about just, just going out and doing the work, the workout, not being like, oh, I can't go to the gym now, it's too late. Or sometimes making sure that you have to make that sacrifice of seeing me son for 20 minutes or, you know, before bed and making sure I'm going to the gym. Um, mm-hmm. just, just, just doing, just making sure that I'm doing the work as well as reading the books and obtaining information. Um, but also like having conversations with people who have been on similar journeys and yeah, being, being like vulnerable and, and listening to their advice. I think that's something that's helped me massive massively in the in the last uh, few months um mm-hmm. got to got to um pay tribute to pj smith in liverpool um amazing work what he does at uh, damien john kelly's house which is a it's a it's like a, a house that helps people in recovery from addic- addiction uh, improve the life and and the process through sport and, and culture and he encourages them to to partake in different activities mm. and he invited me to to coach the group every Thursday and it's just been so rewarding just to see how their attitude is to it you know um mm. tackle it head on and like they they're living every moment sprinting mm. for every ball and uh, and he's really helped me because you know he's been through the journey himself, and uh, you know he's offered opened up different resources to me, you know, and I, and I've and I've things that I've been putting off in my life for these past four years, I've just started to 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 tick them off, uh, mm-hmm. and it's and it feels good, you know. Mm, yeah, that's unreal, and I'm generally happy for you as well. I'm I'm happy that you you're making those moves and moving forward and. I can see a transition within yourself. I can I can hear it in your voice, the way that you speak and the purpose in which you have as well. I can actually see that and hear that. And I've noticed the change. Um, and I think it's important to to notice those changes along your journey and notice that you are changing and you are seeing progress and you are to moving towards the things that you want. Because essentially, that's what we're all here for at the end of the day. It's to, it's to improve the situation and improve the experience, not only for us, but for, for every single person around us as well. I think that is so important coming back to that point that I started this podcast with about, you know, community and making sure that you're making this experience good for everybody else. 
You can be the best person that you can be. Yes, it's for you, but it's for your family. It's for your kids. It's for your loved ones. It's for your parents. It's, it's for everybody. And like you said with that Paul Smith there, you know, he's he's a leader. He's somebody who can who can use that gift that he's got to give to others. And he is now making this world a much better place. That's what I hope to do. I'm pretty sure that's probably what you hope to do as well, to make this such better place for, for everybody so we can we can see good progress um, and everyone can lead a fulfilled life at the end of the day. So I just wanted to say, appreciate you coming on out. It's been a fantastic chat today, talking over obviously your journey. Um, and I'm looking forward to Sunday to getting in that cold water. So I'll, I'll see you there. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having us, Joe.